Welcome to the Grand Prix de Farnham. On the 19th of October 1958, the Moroccan Grand Prix was held on a circuit near Casablanca. This was the only time that Morocco has hosted a World Championship Formula One Grand Prix. Mike Hawthorne driving a Ferrari was in pole position, but the race was won by Sterling Moss driving a van wall. However, Mike's second place secured him the World Championship by just one point making him the first British Formula One champion ever. Having become Formula One world champion, the Farnham Flyer, as he was known, retired from motor racing. John Michael Hawthorne had come a long way since his birth on the 10th of April 1929 in Mexborough in what was then the West Riding of Yorkshire. At the age of two, his parents had moved to open the tourist trophy garage in Farnham, the town where Mike remained for the rest of his life. Sixty years later, on a grey and damp October day, the people of Farnham celebrated his world championship with cars from his era driving through the centre of town. I'm stood here in the car park at Farnham Maltings on a very wet, grey, dismal October morning. It's a great pity because the beautiful cars for today's parade have been arriving for the last hour or so. And of course quite a few of them are open top cars. For the very special cars there is some garaging in marquees provided by Farnham Hedgehogs. But for the rest they're out in the rain. I can see one of the cars with an umbrella over the cockpit, keeping the seat dry for the driver. It's raining, definitely raining. I think some of the drivers will be swimming when they get to their open top cars. Fortunately, I'm in the garaging area and I'm talking to the owner of a vintage Riley or certainly old Riley I presume it is vintage isn't it it is indeed or technically it is not quite vintage vintage stops at 1930 so this is a, a post vintage thoroughbred technically but it was built in 1935 which just tweaks it outside of the vintage era but was a, originally a four-door saloon it is now a special in the form you see it it was found in a barn in uh, in, in Ireland been left there for 35 years with a huge hole in the side of the engine uh, which is probably why they pushed it in the barn in the first place and then over the, the following 35 years people stripped it for spares uh, and it was looking in a very sad state so when I discovered it it had uh, no doors no seats no windows no interior no wings pretty much nothing really usable other than the basic mechanics the engine rotated uh, and it rolled on its wheels and so a suitable fee was agreed and we, we towed it home. And towing it home from the Lake District, half the bodywork collapsed towards on the motorway, which made removing said bodywork an awful lot easier once we got home. Yeah, and the bodywork you see now, which is a four-seater tourer, but as you can see there are no doors, there's, there's no roof, the minimal of windscreens and of course a, a very open exhaust running all the way down the side of the car which is not exactly quiet and it's not on a day like this not exactly dry when you're driving it either but huge amount of fun. So how long did it take you to rebuild? 
that I think that will carry on for the rest of my life. Been in my ownership for three years now. The bodywork was placed on there about two years ago uh, and he's slowly gathering the patina of, of an older looking car, which is nice. Uh, we'll probably end up painting it one day. Still need to trim the interior and then of course uh, a better rear axle would be nicer so that I can do more than 50 miles an hour. It's rather noisy at 50 miles an hour and 3,000 revs. So it'd be nicer to, uh, to, to have a lower ratio differential so they can travel at a higher speed. But it does accelerate like bilio, but only up to 50. So it keeps up with modern traffic. It's, it really is great fun. And for the environmentalist, how many gallons per mile? Actually, that's not too bad. It's only a 1.5 litre engine. Uh, and if I'm honest, I have no idea how many miles per gallon to do. It does. The original cars allegedly did around 25 to 30 miles per gallon, which is rather extraordinary. But the bodywork then was, was aluminium too, so I guess they were fairly light. Riley was a famed British manufacturer. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Shame, that shame they demised. Um, they made so many different kinds of cars and certain parts of their lifetime they were producing dozens of different body styles in sporting and of course they built them cars like the Brooklands they took racing at Le Mans and raced at Brooklands obviously and hopefully we should see some genuine Brooklands Riley Brooklands uh, sort of like works cars in the scheme of things is the modern phrase hopefully we'll see some of those here today Thank you very much that was very interesting I'm with the mayors of Waverley and Farnham, who are doing a duet today, walking around the cars. <laughs> Ladies first, I think. Okay. Hello. It's uh, wonderful to be here and to see so many lovely cars. Um, we're looking forward to the noise that we'll hear from the Jaguars later on in the parade. You're not sending the environmental inspectors out, then? Uh, not today. Just f- not for that short period. It's about an hour or so. Yes. They don't work weekends. <laughs> they don't work weekends. <laughs> for Farnham. It's such a privilege to be here and an honour for Farnham to be able to support this event and have these wonderful vehicles and celebrate the the memory of Mike Hawthorne. I think it's magnificent that considering the weather we've had this morning that so many people have come out. Well looking up at the sky it's getting brighter and just hope that it eases off and doesn't rain for the rest of the afternoon we have a lovely afternoon. No it's it's a a privilege to be here and, and for Farnham to be able to support this event. It's most important that we are able to do this in our town. So it's and brilliant. we had a lovely ceremony at the uh, cemetery earlier, and we're about to go to the church for a, a church service in, in memory of Mike Hawthorne, so it's a very special day. Well, thank you very much, You're and very lovely welcome. to meet you both. Yeah. Thank nice you very to see much. You too. I'm with the owner of an Alvis Silver Eagle. Would you like to talk about your enthusiasm for this type of car? I'll try my best, yes. <laughs> it's a 1930 Silver Eagle. It's been the chassis's been shortened and narrowed a bit, uh, with a special body put in it. It started life as a saloon, and it was built by the previous owner who campaigned it on the circuit hill climbs. Unfortunately, health reasons made him sell it. I purchased it at the end of 2016. I had a bit of trouble with it in 2017. This year, 2018, I've been uh, campaigning it at all the VSC, most VSCC events. What uh, vintage is it? 1930. 
So does that count as a vintage car? It counts as a vintage car. After 1930, it's pre-war. So this is a true vintage? This, is a true, this, this Silver Eagle is a true vintage vehicle. What size engine does it have? Uh, 2.1. Three carburettors, three SU carburettors. So it's smaller than your previous Elvis? It is very small, much smaller than my previous Elvis, yes. What is your top speed? I would assume it is just over 100 miles an hour. I don't have a speedometer on it, um, I just do it by the revs. And do you enjoy driving it? I love driving it, I love racing it uh, around the circuits of uh, Castle Coombe, I did last week, Snetterton, Mallory Park, Silverstone Short Circuit. Well, thank you very much, and I hope today goes well for you. So do I. <laughs> but damp, possibly. Yes, yeah, going to get very wet. Well, I got very wet last week, so that won't matter. I'm used to it now. I'm looking at the Van Wall Thin Wall Special that has been loaned by the Donington Collection. Van Wall was a racing team and racing car constructor founded by Tony Van Der Vel, who owned Thin Wall Bearings. The team's name came from a combination of both names. The Thin Wall Specials were modified Ferraris and raced between 1952 and 1954. Sterling Moss won the 1958 Moroccan Grand Prix in a Van Wall. This was the race where Mike Hawthorne gained the world championship. Tony Vandervel retired from motorsport in 1958 due to failing health and also the death of the Van Wall driver Stuart Lewis Evans, who sustained fatal burns at the Moroccan Grand Prix. I'm with Robert who has an Austin 7 here and his wife sat inside hiding from the rain I think. Yes. Belt and braces underneath the awning and inside a car with a roof on it. How long have you had this Austin 7? Well, I've had this Austin 7. Well, I bought it in, 90, in 93, this little Austin. So that's a quarter um, of a century you've had it for? Yeah, I suppose so. I've had Austin 7 since I was 12 years old, so I'm not new to them. And I always wanted a chummy. Well, when I saw this in, in about 90, end of 92, beginning of 93, I, I thought I'd better buy it because I, otherwise I'd never have one before I die. And when was it built? It was built in 1927, early 27, although it's, we, we, we call it a 26. So it's a genuine vintage car? It is indeed, yes. How many miles a year do you do? Not very many. Um, we go to local shows. We do, we do about 25 shows a year. Is it easy to drive? Well, it's not as easy as it, as it, as it looks pretty. It, it does look pretty, but uh, it's not so easy to drive. It's only got a three-speed gearbox, and it's 11 horsepower is not really sufficient to climb the hills very well. You do tend to hold people up. I believe you come from Godalming, which is local to Farnham. Yes, well, I come from Whitley, actually, which is just outside Godalming. And um, we've lived there for 20 years. So it's not too far to come to an event like today? No, not at all. When will you next have the car out? Probably not this side of Christmas now. It'll be put away and uh, I, don't, I don't jack it up or anything on off its wheel but, uh, and I don't drain any liquids because I have good antifreeze in it. Um, and it'll stay in the garage and hopefully start first swing next year. Thank you very much. I'm with the current custodian, as he puts it, of a 93-year-old Bentley. In, indeed it is, 1925 3-litre speed model. Its association with Mike Hawthorne 
is quite simply that in the 50s, and it's a date unspecified, uh, Mike Hawthorne drove a Bentley three litre speed around Le Mans for classic Le Mans. And it was very similar to this in that it had a Vandam plaid body and uh, was a, a three litre speed. The uh, references can be seen in the book Mike Hawthorne, The Golden Boy. Um, and uh, there is a, an illustration, which was a drawing, but it can clearly show he's a very similar car um, to this one. How long have you had this car? I've, I've owned it for about 10 years and it's uh, gradually worked on it but uh, nothing remarkable has ever been done to it. It's um, just been serviced and uh, looked after. One of the problems with a car like this of course is there are very very few people who understand them. Um, they were particularly bewildering to uh, the MOT offices when they were when you were trying to get an MOT, they had no idea uh, ab about the car, um, and it was a good thing that uh, they ceased having MOTs for these cars. They only get involved in I think 0.006% of all accidents, so it was uh, really um, a pointless exercise uh, trying to administrate clearly unworkable rules. It would never ever get the emissions test, for instance. It breathes anything. Furthermore, there are lots of intricacies that uh, they didn't understand. It has no ignition switch, for instance. It has no fan. Um, this is done on the basis that, of course, if you uh, um, if the engine was running, you would be moving. Uh, they hadn't yet invented traffic jams. So uh, it has a central throttle um, with the brake on the right, which can be confusing. Um, particularly if you go go for the brake, which turns out to be the throttle, etc., etc., etc. How many gallons per mile do you get? Yes, <laughs> on a on a really careful run, you can you can get somewhere close to 20 miles a gallon. It will run on anything, and uh, people continually, for instance, ask, has it been modified for unlead, unleaded petrol? And my answer to that is quite simply, when do you think they put lead in petrol? They put lead in petrol in the 1930s. This is a 1925 car. It was designed for unleaded petrol. How far have you come today? Uh, I've only come from Godalming to, today, so it's, it's a, a minor distance. Um, but I've travelled all over France in this. So this is the car that you will use for preference, is it, for your daily commute? Uh, <laughs> probably not, but of course, mercifully for the last 28 years I haven't had to commute anywhere. Thank you very much. There are all types of cars spanning the period that Mike lived in Farnham, out in the open here in the Maltings car park. After all this rain I hope they can all get started for this afternoon's event. I'm stood beside the Cooper Special with a person who had this car 60 years ago. 1958, yes, I had it for three years. It was my first car. We passed my driving test in it. <laughs> Frightened the examiner to death, so he decided he ought to pass me <laughs> so that I didn't go back. <laughs> we had it just before we married. We got married in it. It's my wife then. And then a year later, the arrival of the first child meant that we had to have a car with a top. So we, we, we changed it for an A30. Having changed it for an A30, how did it come to get, come back into the family? My son owns TVR 101, 
in Bentley and there's a very large picture on his office wall of this car being his father's first car and he had a customer who called in and said I've seen that car it's it's for sale down at Goodwood going up for auction uh, so he shot down there and paid an awful lot of money for it compared to what I sold it for <laughs> I had had some contact with a chap called David Morgan, who owned an architectural firm, who had bought it and fully restored it to its original Brooklyn's form. It was 20 years old when I had it, and it looks in a lot better condition now than when I had it. In fact, some paperwork that I had with it, the year before I bought it, a couple had taken it to Germany on their honeymoon. There's pictures of it in by Cologne Cathedral. Not much room for luggage. <laughs> Why was it built? It was built for John Cooper when he was 15. His, fa uh, his father and a mechanic who worked for Cooper for John to start racing. Well, I think he actually drove it at Brooklands. He shouldn't have done because he was underage and got turfed off, I think. It is said that um, Donald Campbell has driven it and Steve McQueen learnt to drive in it. So it has quite a history. It has a, quite a history, yes, yes. Thank you very much. I'm stood with a police lady or policewoman, I think they were called in the period that we are looking at today, <laughs> next to a Triumph Herald police car. I didn't think the police used Triumph Heralds. Uh, there were six that were used by Monmouth Police, which is what this car is based on. Uh, we've got records of three that were used by the Met. Uh, Monmouth Force only used them for 12 months and then they disbanded as part of Gwent Police and took on Ford Anglias. And we've recently found, literally within the last two weeks, that Baron Furnace also had five Triumph Heralds. So now researching that. <laughs> Which year is this car from? The car itself is 1964, but they, the Heralds were used in the police force in 1966 as part of the very one of the first cars used as the Unit B policing. How long have you had this car? I've had the car over 20 years, and it's been restored as a police car for 18 years. Have you come far today for the event? Yes, we travelled down yesterday from Bristol. Thank you very much. That's OK. I'm stood here with a policeman in period uniform with a period car. Yeah, Rover P5. It belonged to the Chief Constable of West Yorkshire Police, but I'm still trying to find out a bit more details about it yet. <laughs> I think it was used for sort of royal duties as well, like escort, Queen's uh, escort and stuff like that as well. How long have you owned it for? I've, well, I've been paying for it over, the, over a year, but I've only had it on the road for about two months, and it's all right at the moment, it's no problem. I'm with a couple of people collecting for the Phyllis Tuckwell Hospice. Can you tell me about the hospice? Uh, we're based in Farnham, but we've also got a facility in Guildford at the Beacon Centre. Um, and we look after terminally ill patients in the area and their, their families um, when times are really hard. Um, so we support 250 patients every day, either at the Beacon Centre in Guildford, at the hospice up in Farnham or out in patients' own homes. It costs us £20,000 a day to keep the hospice open, um, which works out as just short of £10 million a year. So days like this are really important to us so we can come and show the community not only what we do, but also raise some vital funds. Do you say Farnham and Guildford, how far out of Farnham do you go? Oh, we go a, a, an awful long way. We cover an area of 550,000 residents. So it's up towards Cambly, across to Hazelmere, up towards Fleet, all the way down towards Guildford, so it's a really large area. 
How long have you been involved with the hospice? Oh, I've been in the fundraising department for nearly 10 years now, so it's a really important place. Um, it makes it incredibly worthwhile to work there when you can see every day how many people are being supported and how at times when they get really hard we can be there to look after people. You also have a shop in Varnum, I believe. We do. We've got 19 shops all over the area in most towns um, in our catchment area, but our Varnum shop is fantastic for lots of vintage items, so definitely pop in there and have a look. If people are after things, they should go and have a look and it's on the roundabout opposite the sports centre. Yeah, we do. We have a furniture showroom there and we also have another one that is on the one-way system. So we've got two in Farnham, actually. The hospice's relationship with today's event? We've been kindly allowed to come down and collect today and some of the money that's going to be raised today is going to be donated to the hospice, so we're really grateful. Um, we hope lots of people come out and see us because it's been a really, really rainy day, so we can only keep our fingers crossed that lots of people will come and watch. Yes, we're stood outside now in faint drizzle compared to the uh, monsoon that passed over half an hour ago. I know, we've been incredibly lucky that it stopped, so we're keeping our fingers crossed that it's going to stay this way. Well, thank you very much, and I hope that you have a successful collecting day. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm here with the car owner. Hi, um, my name's Ian. I have a uh, XK140 Jaguar. 1956. Um, interesting history to it. It was exported in 1956 to Tehran and uh, languished there till 91 with an unknown history but it was brought back in 91 through America. Completely nut and bolt restored out onto the circuit. Won the Benson and Hedges concourse to Elegance Trophies twice and has had little done to it since. So it's, a, it's an aged restoration is my from, uh, from 1991. It's got 14,000 miles on it. Um, it's a XK140 drop head coupe SE special equipment which means it's got two headlights extra on the front and that's it but it's in good nick gives us a lot of fun uh, like driving it first year i got it i took it down to the south of france and uh, brought it back on the train through uh, paris and then paris back to the boats had some fun with it haven't done any more tours with it but i fancy doing an alpine tour as soon as i get the heat and get more heat out of it they either get very hot inside and boil over or they're cold <laughs> good cars have you come far today? Uh, no, just from down at Alton, and we used to uh, live in Farnham uh, up to about five years ago, moved five miles away, just down the road here. Found out this was on, and my, my wife reminded me, said, you'll want to go there, so she was right, and I did. Here we are. Wet as it is, I did take a look this morning and think, hmm, I'll have a bacon sandwich and see what happens. <laughs> The heaviest rain didn't occur until you got here. Yeah, that's very true. There'd been a spout while I was having the bacon sandwich and then it cleared and then got here. When we were getting out of the car to get the umbrellas, we knew it was heavy. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I'm with the owner of a rather splendid Jaguar. Can you tell me about it? Yes, it's a Jaguar 1958 Mark 8. Got a rare car these days. They made the 7.8s and 9s as we've got here today, but they were the epitome of style in those days. Uh, one of Sir, Ly Sir William Lyon's masterpieces at that time. 3.4 engine, but it will puddle along, it's sort of 80, 90 mile an hour, quite comfortably all day long. Very good car to drive. But no power steering, of course, which makes it very difficult in tight spaces. How long have you had this car? I've owned this car for about 20 years, but it's only been on the road since 2009. And in fact, oddly, its first outing was to here in 2009 when we did the anniversary of Mike Hawthorne's death. It even has form with this, well, coming here. Yes, in, indeed. And I determined to bring it back when Mike asked me, simply to, to complete the circle. Was it owned by anyone famous, or has it had any famous attachments it, in its it time? It was owned by Major Sir John Wills, and it, um, his wife was Lady Elphinstone, who was a lady-in-waiting to the Queen Mother. Thank you very much. Pleasure. 
cars are forming up to take some of the VIPs across to St Andrew's Church where there is a service to celebrate Mike Hawthorne. I'm stood outside St Andrew's Church. St Andrew's, for those that don't know it, is the parish church in Farnham and is right in the centre of the town. And we're waiting now for the congregation to arrive for this service of celebration.
told stories like no other rabbi, who healed the sick, made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and even raised the dead. Amazing achievement for one so young, we might say. The under-35s get to have all the fun. The untimely death of one who apparently had so much going for him, got himself the wrong side of the authorities, was arrested, tried and put to death instead of the real criminal, and whose followers at that time again fell away dispirited and dismayed. Those who die in their thirties are specially remembered because it shouldn't be like that. And the reputation which lives on in the hearts and minds of the early followers who were persuaded that death did not have to be the final word, that seeing him again gave them renewed hope for the future, that even in facing punishment and torture themselves for saying so, could not and would not deny that he was alive and was risen. Now, lest anybody misunderstands what I'm saying, I'm not saying that Mike was Jesus. But I am saying that there are aspects of Mike's life which resonate more than we might have thought before with the life, death and resurrection of another one who changed history, who changed history for good and for all, all those years ago. And today we rightly remember Mike's amazing achievement, rightly express sadness at his death so tragic and so young, and rightly find strength and hope in his reputation which lives on. These three aspects of his life and character rightly fill us with inspiration as to what might be possible. And seeing these also, I'm suggesting we might, reflected in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, give us all hope for the future. That, though you don't know about you, but I reckon people are just interested in people. And I reckon hope, wherever we find it, is good. quite sure what some of these cars are burning in their engines. There is now a buzz of anticipation here in the car park. The rain has reduced to a drizzle. 
So now the final few cars are coming through Farnham before the road closure orders take effect for this afternoon's event. Sadly, the rain has started again. It's quite a crowd of people in the Hawthorne's retirement home. They have, so to speak, grandstand seats, nice, covered and warm, out of the rain, able to watch, whereas most of us are stood out here in the street. Here come the first cars onto Longbridge. Forming up behind the ex-Chief Constable of West Yorkshire's car. Lower Bentley, that one. There's a good crowd here in Downing Street, enjoying watching the cars going past. It's probably a good place to watch for most people because the cars that don't have a silencer have a particularly throaty roar. And because Downing Street's quite narrow, it's reflected quite well and enhanced. And they're on their second circuit now. There's a good crowd here in the borough also watching. And the lead car coming through again with what must be the second batch. It is quite confusing, of course, because part of the borough is still open for normal traffic between West Street and Castle Street. But the cars are now being held until the next batch of vehicles pass through. Just come across to the waiting staff from Bill's Restaurant in Castle Street. They've been sent out with plates of food and also little mugs of hot chocolate. A lot of Jaguars. Saloon cars from the 1950s. Racing sports cars. slithering a little bit as they do a 90 degree turn doing two 90 degree turns where I am at the moment because some cars are coming out of the borough and turning sharp left 
where they slither a bit on the standing water and then others are coming out of East Street and going into South Street. Some of the sportier numbers are being driven a little bit more aggressively than the saloon models. An impressive sight though. And here comes the tourist trophy garage van. One car as it came around the corner just now nearly lost its back end. Our two police officers from the 1950s are doing a sterling job on point duty on the corner. The headlights shining on the road of some of these vehicles just show how wet it is this afternoon. so many people out is quite spectacular. I have to say well done to Farnham. And the third batch of cars are now just forming up on the corner between Longbridge and Downing Street. The clerk of the course is just checking that everything's all right and they're off. You can see the enjoyment on the faces of the drivers and their passengers as they get to drive around Farnham with other cars of their vintage. The collection of cars that has been assembled here today is absolutely amazing. There's quite a queue of people waiting to get out of the central car park because of course access from the car park is severely limited at this time and can only take place when there aren't any cars running in the cavalcade. A big thank you goes to the owners and drivers of the 86 cars that took part in the event. Thanks also go to the Jaguar Enthusiast Club, the Jaguar Drivers Club, the Hedgehogs, the Hanson Barks Motor Club for their marshals, the Unity Support Riders for the work they did, and of course Zara and the staff at the Maltings who looked after everybody. I must also give a big personal thanks to Michael Ballard who led the organisation of this fantastic event. This podcast was produced by the Mr T Podcast Studio with assistance from the friends of Mike Hawthorne and the organisers of the Mike Hawthorne Grand Prix de Farnham. Tragically, just over three months after becoming world champion, Mike died in a road accident on the Guildford Bypass on the 22nd of January 1959.